0: hello everyone welcome to the show today i'm gonna be telling you why i love solo a star wars story see you in a minute Hello everyone, welcome to A Larger World, my Wednesday show, presented by Page-Turners-They-Were-Not-My-Star-Wars-Podcast. Yesterday some crazy things went down that I don't want to get into here. Uh, The only thing I will say is this. If you're wondering what's going on and where to turn for the real answers, read the article in Vanity Fair. Read the paragraph in question. When the author of the article, Anthony Bresniken, is discussing why Solo didn't do well at the box office, With Kathleen Kennedy. Read that paragraph. Read what is actually written there. It's not a well written paragraph. It's a confusing paragraph. But I would say, nonetheless, you should read it. And don't by any means trust screen rant or any other site that is saying the following. If you run into someone or a website saying, Kathleen Kennedy says no recasting of legendary characters, that's not what she said. So go to the actual source, look at the actual article, Make a decision for yourself. Don't go with the hot takes that are all over the internet. Okay, now that we've gotten out of that out of the way, let us turn to my love, a solo Star Wars story, directed, of course, by the great Ron Howard, written by Lawrence and Jake Kasdan. It went through a very, very troubled production. Yes, it's true. The final product, I think, is great. So let's... Let me just get this out of the way, the the behind-the-scenes. Christopher... Christopher Miller and Phil Lord, the directors of 21 and 22 Jump Street, Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs, 1 and 2, and the Lego movie were hired to direct Solo A Star Wars Story based on or with the screenplay, I should say, with, with the screenplay by Lawrence Kasten and Jake Kasten, his son. Lawrence Casting wrote Entire Strikes Stack, Return of the Jedi, and The Force Awakens. So, they were hired to direct this film. Apparently, it wasn't quite going the way that people hoped. Uh, they were straying from the script. doing a lot of improvising ad-libbing and apparently eldon ehrenreich who plays han solo went to kathleen kennedy and said i don't think we're making the right movie he said it felt too much um ace ventura okay now that's what he said like i said you don't you have to take people's words for what they are someone's own opinion regardless of all that chris miller and phil lord were fired ron howard was brought in to basically remake the film okay now a lot of people think that chris miller and phil lord were treated unfairly by being fired uh, let me just say this. They were hired to direct a screenplay by Lawrence Casting. They did not respect the screenplay. And that was a no no with Lucasfilm. In my own opinion, they were right to fire Miller and Lord. Because you're hired to do a job. And if you don't do it, if you are asked to build a house based on a certain blueprints, but you say, yeah, forget the blueprints and build your own house, you're not doing the job you hired to do. Now, we can certainly argue Maybe they should have been allowed to write their own screenplay. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. That is not the reality of it. So, in all honesty, I... ...really don't have a lot of sympathy for that. That they were fired. But we are not going to... I'm not going to dwell on that. Other than to say, yes, the making of a movie was a mess. It's absolutely true. Uh, Normally, I am on the side of directors. But when it comes to being hired to direct a screenplay and not coming through, I draw the line there. Okay, now, I want to get all that out of the way. So we're going to take a break. When they come back, I'm gonna tell you why I love this movie. Okay, we are back. All right, so let us take what we know or what we think we know about making a solo and put that away for now. I believe very strongly that one must judge a movie or a show or any work of art by the finished product. There have been many movies in the history of Hollywood and otherwise great movies, incredible movies that had troubled productions. But let me give you an example that relates to the modern world. In 1979, Apocalypse Now came out. Apocalypse Now, as many of you are aware, was a nightmare of a film to make. So much so that apparently, certain members of the movie press Like Rex Reed and certain others. Were attacking Coppola constantly. In the trades. Saying that. Oh he's making this ego tripping bloated. Project that's going to be a complete disaster And here. Let me. Tell you the reasons why it's going wrong. Okay. Well. As you can imagine Coppola is pretty uh. He takes these things kind of personally, maybe too personally. So he criticized the news media when the movie came out. He, he criticized a lot of the movie press about their attacks on him and his film. In our modern world, it's even easier to do that with social media now. However, like Apocalypse Now, I believe that these movies need to be judged on what makes it to the screen. I believe what made it to the screen was solo. It's great. It's a good, fun, thrill ride. Very Space Ultra. Very fun. That's really what it is. It's fun. It's light. It's got some great characters. And so many other reasons. But let's look really quick. At Alden Ehrenreich as Han Solo. While it is true, he did not work for everyone. He worked for me. And one thing that came to mind is I heard that there were some who felt that he just wasn't cynical and hard-edged enough like the Han Solo that we know. And yeah, there is a certain difference with his character. The scene on Southerine with the Kira I think explains it all. He says to her, I'm an outlaw. I'm a bad guy. She, of course, refutes that. I think that the Han Solo that we see in the original trilogy is walls of look at how much, how too cool for school I am. I think that's a facade. I think that's a mask. I think that we do see in the original trilogy and even in the sequel trilogy, when Han lowers that grunty, cynical outer exterior, when we see the gentler moments, the softer moments, with Chewie, sometimes with Leia, sometimes with Luke, That's where I think, that's, I think, the spirit of what I see in Alden's performance. He is less cynical. He is less hardened. Jaded. Now, mind you, this is earlier in his life. He is 20 during the events of Solo. He's 30 when we meet him in the original trilogy, a lot can change in a person in 10 years. Um, And I think that as life comes along, I think Han will start building up that jaded exterior. So that was totally fine for me as Alden. And even though Alden doesn't necessarily look like Harrison Ford, um, I think he was able to capture the spirit of console. A spirit that maybe didn't work for anybody, but it worked for me because I see, as I just discussed, the character that I think Han really is. Okay. Donald Glover is Lando. Alright. This was fan casting that came true. He might be the show stealer. He captures the swagger. The... You know, wheeler-dealer attitude of Lando Calrissian in a great way and I love getting to see Millennium Falcon under Lando's control is very clean is very like fancy that's what Lando is that's the, the, the aura that he is cultivating Jonas is fantastic taking up the reins from Peter Nehu. Okay, Amelia Clark. Oh, my word. I love the character Akira so much. I think I have a crush on her, too. I think she's a great addition to the story. And I just love her stunky attitude. And the mystery of the character what did she do to get out of Corellia it's very vague but it'd be interesting to know Tobias Beckett might be one of my favorite new Star Wars characters Woody Harrelson yet again playing a lovable scallywag like he usually does a ne'er-do-well, but we can't help but like. Till last second. Yes, I'm looking at his figure. I'm looking at his figure up on the wall right now. Great character. Woody Harrelson. Just like Carl Weathers in The Mandalorian. Woody Harrelson is the Star Wars actor we never knew we needed. And then, of course, L337. D.V. Waller-Bridge from the show Fleabag is fantastic as L3. L3 is full of so much personality. I love that she's kind of been a romance with Lando. I think that's hilarious. Uh, There's just, you know, uh, Paul Bettany's Dreden boss is great. There's just so many wonderful things about the characters. Now the story... I think the story to me is not... I find the story of the characters more interesting to me than the plot of the movie. If that makes sense. Um, the there's some great action scenes The train heist on Vandor, the Satherine standoff, the liberation of the Mines of Kessel. Just some really great moments and beats and, uh, you know, the chase through the the Nailstrom. Just some, some great stuff in that regard. By the way, one character I failed to mention. Enthus Nest. I'm looking at my Funko I have of her right now. What a great character that Erin Killingman plays. And a great revelation that she's just a kid. I love that the marketing was very coy with who the character was. And the way that she's filmed during the train scene. You think she's bigger than she actually is. Also, the fact that Warwick Davis is standing next to her in certain scenes, which makes it seem like she's a giant. I love that. And I love Aaron Aaron then. I cannot wait to see her in the Willow series. She's also great in Falcon and Winter Soldier. Uh, So there's a great action moment. So one thing. About this movie, that to me is probably the number one reason I love it is the score by John Powell. Yes, oh my word! When they announced they were casting John Powell, who did the score to How to Train Your Dragon, to do the score for Solo, I was so excited. And I'm glad they kept him even when they had to redo the movie. His score is magnificent. I think I listened to it more than the Sequel Trilogy score, more than the Rogue One score, even perhaps more than the Revenge of the Sith score. It is quite simply marvelous, And it reminds me, because I'm an ultra fan, Particularly the love scene between on and Kira reminds me of the music of the opera Turandot by Giacomo Puccini. One of my favorite operas. I actually got to see this on stage at San Francisco Opera. If if you are if you if you want to know what it what the music from The opera sounds like. Listen to the opera aria, or aria meaning solo in in opera talk, called Nessun Dorma. It was the signature piece of the great opera singer Luciano Pavarotti. If you're wondering who that is, that was the big guy in the three tenors. Um, anyhow, the music, particularly of the Han and theme, sounds like it's lifted from the a Puccini opera. The music is extraordinary, it is pulse-pounding, it is emotional, it is just lovely to listen to and also incorporates on occasion some use of the original trilogy scores. The main theme for Han is actually written by John Williams. And then John Tell took that and created the rest of the score. The, the two themes that really stand out to me are one and to the Cloud Riders theme, which has got an incredible choir also, the liberation of the mines and kessel its great. They're like Canadian brass-sounding music. So, as far as like visual effects are concerned, yeah, it's all right, uh, and things like that. So, what works for me. in this film, the characters, and the music. And they work in such a big way that I can forgive a lot of the weaknesses that are in the other parts of the movie, because I love the characters and the music so much. So despite all the trouble it took to make the movie, despite that, it yes, it was truly this is not eternally it did fail at box office like it did not make that what it cost despite all those troubles i think the finished product is great and i hope that more and more people discover this film and even those who saw it and it wasn't their cup of tea maybe if they go back and see it again they might find something new if not, that's fine. But I can tell you that it works for me in a big way. So, my name is Brennan Maher. That noise you're going to my ventilator. Thank you for tuning in to A Larger World, presented by page turners. They were not my Star Wars podcast. May the force be with you. <laughs>